What you brought me today is worth... Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. Hey guys, I'm your host, Ryan Key. And welcome to another mini-sode of... One Water Portion. Today, we're talking about a little special edition action, original trilogy shit. We're probably not going to do the original trilogy for a little while, but uh, I stumbled upon a YouTube clip comparing the different versions of The Empire Strikes Back, and I thought this was interesting, so Ryan and I just did a little research. We're talking about the way the Emperor is portrayed, the dialogue, the visual, the whole thing. Quite a bit changed, actually, from the original version to the 1997 special edition, which then, of course, carried over to the current Disney Plus versions. Yeah, confirmed there are two very different versions from 1980 and 1997 that were released, both in the actor portraying Emperor Palpatine, as well as quite a significant change to the dialogue um, and the direction. And I think kind of just chatting about what the motivation for those changes may have been and things like that are what we want to break down today. Yeah. So in 1980, the original version was not actually Ian McDermott, the emperor that we, that we know and love. The role was actually played physically by an old woman whose name is now escaping me, but she was apparently wearing some amount of makeup and then had chimpanzee eyes superimposed over her eyes <laughs> to give her that just like fucking melted look. So creepy. I'm, I'm looking at the picture of it now and I never really thought about that, but like the eyes are definitely the thing. Yeah. They're real big and like eyelids look all swollen. It's creepy. All fucked up. She's kind of green, too. She's kind of like her skin color is kind of greenish. And then the voice was done by an actor named Clive Revel, who looks really familiar. His actual face. Have you, did you IMDB him? Just see what else he's in. I didn't, but let's do that right now. We're on the internet. That's a verb now to be IMDB'd. That's just the way I bead back then. <laughs> oh, no way. Okay. So Clive Revel, alive, born uh, 1930. His known for on IMDb, number one, is The Empire Strikes Back. But then he was also in fucking Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> what a film. As the fire marshal. That's amazing. And he's still been working. Like up until 2016, the dude has been working. So what's that make him 90 years old? He will be 90 on April 18th, it looks like. Wow, good for you, man. Kicking it. Good shit. So Kicking it and getting that Star Wars mailbox money. <laughs> real talk. <laughs> I imagine he, he has to still get some. I think it would be a dick move for Lucasfilm to not still give some kickback to people who they replace with special editions, right? Uh, yeah, I wonder how that works. But I mean, I would say like royalty-wise, you know, every contract is different. And I only have one experience in the world of film. And it was, it's a long story that I won't get into, but I was credited in a film that I wasn't actually even in, but my name is listed in the credits. And when the film came out, it's a J.J. Abrams film, actually, called Cloverfield. Oh, shit. So cool thing for me is that my name is listed in the same credits as J.J. Abrams at one point in my life. But I wasn't actually in the movie, and that's a long story. But I got paid, though, for, for having my name in the credits. You know, SAG was, like, obligated to collect royalties for me. So when the film first came out, it was pretty healthy twice a year. It was, like, a cool little bump of, like, oh, that's that's cool. And now, I, I mean, I literally now get, like, 30 cents or, like, $4, depending right. on if there's, like, a spike in pay-per-view streaming or whatever, you know? So I don't know. I wonder how that works, but I would say that even... <laughs> 
in 2020 from 1980, the diminishing returns would not be on the same level as Cloverfield was. Like, I bet if if he's still getting paid, he's still getting paid. Yeah. Just just based on what I know of, like how long I was getting royalty checks for that. And I didn't even have a speaking role. Apparently it's all based on, and someone can message us to tell me I'm completely wrong or whatever if you want. But like a lot of the royalty stuff is sometimes based on like dialogue. And if you have a speaking role or don't and how much of a speaking role you have in those kind of things. So someone just once told me, I think like, man, if you had had one sentence in that movie, you couldn't imagine like the difference in, in the royalties you're getting just for your name being attached to it versus actually speaking in the film. So, but yeah, that's a cool story. I could tell some other time maybe about how I almost, got into Cloverfield. We'll make a one quarter portion on that with a special would you rather, even though we don't do those in one quarter portions, we'll do the would you rather that we mentioned <laughs> on our first episode. All right. Sounds good. Screen Actors Guild, dude, they're on that shit. Like the, I wish music was like that. Yeah. You know, yep. it's a whole different ballgame. Anyway, let's get to the point of this shit. Yeah, sure. Cool. So the dialogue changes. So first, I guess we should read the first, the two different versions. So do you want to play Vader or Palpatine? Um, who's technically older? Uh, December 17th. December 8th. So that makes you older. <laughs> I'm the emperor. All right. All right. Here we go. This is the original version from 1980 with the chimpanzee eyes. All right. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the force. I, I have felt, felt it. We have a new enemy. Luke Skywalker. Yes, my master. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. The Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes. Yes. He would be a great asset. Can it be done? He will join us or die, Master. He will join us or die, Master. Brutal. So that's version one, 1980. Let's, let's pick apart the differences later. We'll just do the second one. Cool. 1997. 1997, Darth Vader. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the Force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy. The young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. How is that possible? Search your feelings, Lord Vader. You will know it to be true. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. The Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes. yes. He would be would a great be asset. A great asset. Can it be done? He will join us or die, Master. Do you think we're going to get Oscars or, or Golden Globes? What do you think is more likely? Uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. I mean, I think we definitely are living in MTV Movie Awards <laughs> world. Let's start there and we'll see what happens. All right. You know, we're cool. setting goals. Baby steps. Everything else will just be icing on the cake. Good plan. So small thing before we deep dive into the differences, I noticed and why would they do this? There's only one yes in the second one. And oh. there's two yeses in the first. Like the first one is like, yes, yes, <laughs> you know, and then the second one, there's only yes. But yeah, so 
the big differences here are what seems to me and doing some research and, and quickly reading a couple articles is like the motivation behind Palpatine presenting this information to Vader. Because in the first one, he refers to Luke by name, first and last, Luke Skywalker in the 80 version. And in the second one, he changes it around and he's calling him a rebel and a boy, son of Skywalker. Right. And there's that key line that Vader says in the second one of how is that possible? Right. So you have to keep in mind, we haven't seen the reveal, you know, I'm your father. We haven't seen that. So what's the motivation behind version one versus version two? Why did they change it for the second one? I mean, you you have to imagine part of it is like, if we have a song we wrote that we didn't like, and we were given a chance to like rewrite it, you would. Right. So why did they think that the boy, the rebel, the son of Skywalker, as opposed to just Luke Skywalker was a better version? That's the debate here. Right off the bat, like the feel of it. If you think about episode three, it just like fits like a glove, the vibe, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's reminding him, this kid who you said, the force is strong with this one that blew your ass out into space. He's the threat. He's the new enemy. And then he says, I have no doubt this is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. And the how is that possible? Even as like James Earl Jones delivery is like kind of like the cadence and vibe of Hayden Christensen in a like really subtle way, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. that's like a little Anakin peeking through right there, you know? Right. And search your feelings, you know, it to be true. So I, I don't think that was just like a simple flip flop of some words. I think they put a lot of thought into exactly how to deliver that. I do. I agree. And I think it's better. I yeah. do. I do think that it's that version of like rewriting a song you didn't really like and making it better. I think of all the things they did in the uh, reissues of the films, this was one of the best things they did. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to kind of share like some, what I think are pretty uh, accurate thoughts about this from starwarsreport.com. The idea here, again, is like, why does he say Luke Skywalker in the first one and son of Skywalker, the rebel, the boy in the second one, right? Right. And I think a lot of this comes down to, and what they're breaking down here on Star Wars Report is the idea that this was all about the Emperor's plan. Right. And while he's telling Vader what to do or, you know, can he be turned and all that, this is really manipulation by Palpatine. Mm -hmm. And so in the first version, it's really just straight up telegraphing the dialogue. We have we have this new enemy. His name is Luke Skywalker. If he's not going to become a Sith, I'll kill him, says Vader. Yeah. Boom. And he says it very matter of fact, as if it's not news to Vader almost. Exactly. Whereas in the second one, you get this vibe that Palpatine is almost testing Vader mm-hmm. because he doesn't say Luke Skywalker, you know, and there's all the things that we find out later that Vader really did have a plan to ask Luke to join him and overthrow the emperor. Now, did the emperor foresee that? You know, and so he's trying to kind of weed out the plan here. They make a great point in this Star Wars Report article about how technically the Emperor would win either way, because in the end, if Vader strikes down Luke, then Vader becomes all powerful because he has no connections to the past anymore. He's just more loyal to his master, to the bidding of his master. You know, if Luke wins, he's like a more malleable student. He's more freeform, kind of moldable clay that the, the right. Emperor could make into what he wanted to. And he has all of his limbs. And he has all his limbs. Vader's like Michael Myers, you know, it's like, <laughs> am I really scared of this guy? Like, what? Oh no. Just run faster. Fucking. Vader's coming. Run. You're good. Um, okay. So the concept that Vader is looking for Luke, sending the probes out to Hoth and every, you know, he's looking for him everywhere. Yeah. Right in the end of the crawl. Right. That is not known by the, that. He's doing this on his own. He's gone rogue and he's searching for Luke, thinking the emperor doesn't know. So does the emperor know? Does he not know? And I think that's part of this motivation to quote this article. Had he truly only discovered the name of the pilot who had struck the fatal blow to the emperor's ultimate weapon, harking back to the first version of the script, just calling him Luke Skywalker, 
Or was he testing Vader to see if his search was spawned by less than Sithy moves? Was he simply letting his apprentice know that he knew about the boy as well, warning him not to betray him? What had first been simply a matter of plot exposition and foreshadowing began to reveal shadows of the Emperor's devious scheming and manipulations as we watched the movie over and over. So I think it does just go towards the idea like, well, I don't really like those lyrics. I'm just going to write them better. Right. The second version does like dig more into Vader than it does Luke. Vader saying, how is that possible? Right. We don't really know what that means the first time we watch it, but it's a definitely more character exposition for him. Dropping the son of Skywalker, all that stuff. I just, yeah, I think there was a lot more in the second one that they just wanted to expose that the emperor was more manipulative than just a kind of ominous being in the first version of the film. Here's the real question, though, which I don't think any of that has addressed or answered. And maybe this is an unanswerable question unless it's somewhere in the expanded universe and hit us up and let us know if we're being stupid. Vader, as any Sith, is always looking for an apprentice to then overthrow his master and so on. Is Vader just looking for this young Skywalker because he's like, oh, this kid's strong in the Force. Maybe there's a chance somehow that I'm connected to this kid. Does he know that his kids were born or not? Because, like you said, if Palpatine's just testing him, maybe he's just trying to pass the test. He's just acting by saying, how is that possible? You know what I'm saying? We don't really know for sure what's behind either of them because that dark side like dynamic is so shady and manipulative on both sides. I totally agree with you in in not knowing how do we know that. And that's something where people are going to let us know like, uh, yeah, you idiots. It's out there. I mean, full school. I haven't read the Vader comics yet. I mean, right. Maybe it's in there. That's what they're doing with a lot of those books. And mm-hmm. we're, we are going to get into all of that now that we're doing this. So um, that could be a thing. The only thing I would say is that you do get throughout all nine films. I think there is that force power of like feeling when someone is near and I think even more directly sensing when family is near right in the original trilogy it seems to happen only after the reveal you know Luke can sense Vader father you know after the fact but later on they show it you know a lot I mean there's the Ben Solo and Leia moment there's I'm sure many other I'm just riffing here but like yeah whether or not Vader sensed him and said whoa that's my kid yeah I don't know all of this raises questions that we've all been talking about our entire lives, which I hope, again, the Obi-Wan series will address specifically explaining why Vader has no idea that his daughter's right in front of him at the very beginning of this story. Well, here's the thing, dude. What did Vader know at the end of A New Hope and at the beginning of Empire when he's sending out the probes looking for Luke? What does he know in that section of the story? But when the Emperor says, I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker in the re-released version— how is that possible mm-hmm. is the reply added to the script, alluding to the fact that Vader did not know. Right. But again, are they just playing with each other here? Yeah. Does he know? And he's trying to act like he doesn't know because he doesn't want the emperor to know that he's already been out looking for him because he has this plan all along. I lean more towards that, yeah. that the force is, is what it is and connects to all these people in such um, a powerful way that, He's looking for his son. I mean, he's out there going, I'm going to find my kid and we are going to overthrow the emperor. Yeah. He's obviously can't let on here with that. So how is that possible is a he's he's just trying to pretend like he doesn't know. Right. I mean, right. I think that's what the script is doing here. I think there I don't want to theorize too much because then when the real shit comes out, we don't want to do that thing where, where our ideas end up being cooler in our heads than the real ones. But I feel like the rise of the rebellion being face to face with Leia being blown out of the sky by your son all of this stuff starts like chipping away at whatever like 
confidence and power he had amassed over 20 years, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And it starts like maybe leaving this like trail of breadcrumbs, like something's fucking going on. I'm feeling something and whatever Yoda and Ben were doing like remotely to kind of mask the force from radiating out of these kids. It's starting to seep through. Right. Because the real question is Leia. Right. If he's able to sense Luke from across the galaxy or however it is, and he knows it's him, how would he have not known it was Leia standing right, right in front of him? That's either a huge plot hole that will never be fixed or, or answered, or there is a reason for it. But Dude, you know what? The Last Jedi potentially seeded an explanation by Luke being able to cut himself off from the Force. Right. Maybe that could be done by someone else. Well, you have to think that Leia was never connected to the Force at that point. Just because she may have been midichlorian rich doesn't mean that she was, you know, t if, if that's the theory we're going to go with, being able to cut yourself off, she would have never turned it on. You know what I mean? That The switch yeah. has been off since birth. Whereas by the time he's looking for Luke or even the end of A New Hope, I mean, Luke is wielding a lightsaber and, you know, he's learning from right. Ben Kenobi. And so he's starting to tap into it. Right. He's starting to connect to it. And the first time that Leia is connected to the force in any way is in cloud city when luke calls out to her but that's kind of like just a blip on the radar right and at that point we're not debating what happened when she was standing right in front of vader this is later on right. you know and then in jedi when he tells her that she's his sister that's when she really starts to realize that she has it too yeah but i was going to say looking at this dialogue again and going back to that line the vader line how is that possible i mean that's an addition that's not in the first one and he does say luke skywalker he does in the first version he does say the son of skywalker darth vader knows who he is in that conversation right. he knows we're sitting here talking about his child and he doesn't react to it in a way of saying like wait what he's alive or what you know so right. i think it is better writing to no matter what the motivation is have it be vader's first reaction either truthfully how is that possible or yeah i know but i'm gonna keep up this front that i don't know because i'm already looking for him right welcome addition so it's improved it actually adds another reveal to this movie. It's great foreshadowing for the ultimate reveal, but you're revealing one thing just subtly. You know what I mean? It's hinting mm -hmm. because at this point in the movie, you're thinking like Vader and Anakin Skywalker are two different people. He supposedly killed him as far as we know at this point in 1980. So it's like, oh damn, here's that, that old rivalry or whatever, potentially like being some drama. And then it really drops the bomb on us when you and I were one year old <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that Vader and Anakin are one and the same. I agree. I definitely think it's one of the best additions to the re-releases of the films. Agreed. All right. That's a good place to wrap it up, I suppose. Agreed, man. Um, you can find me everywhere on social media at William Ryan Key. And you can find me everywhere on social media at Adam the Skull. You can find the podcast on social media on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker1, that's the number one. And most importantly, you can support the podcast at Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. You can be a part of submitting content and asking us questions, anything you want to know, just being a part of the process. You guys are the reason we're trying to get this thing started. And if you want to show us some love, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can review it wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us all five stars. Just do it. Just turn it all the way up. It's good. It helps people find the podcast. The more ratings we get, the better the search results and the more we can grow this community of Star Wars nerds like us. So that is it for today, this one quarter portion. And until next time, may the force be with you. 